real quick on Monica Rawlings. She really reminds me a lot of a more book smart version of Vic. I was about to say, like, uh, so Monica and Vic definitely find, you know, they're Bill and Hillary in each other. (laughs) (laughs) Not Bill and Hillary. Oh, but it's true, though. Like... Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is Em. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is a podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a little bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a little bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today, Em and I will be discussing the last four seasons of the fast-paced crime drama, The Shield. The Shield's protagonist, Vic Mackey, and his three closest friends make up the strike team, a division of police officers who are responsible for reducing gang activity, drug dealing, and prostitution in the local community. But the strike team, which starts off on the softer side of corruption, quickly devolves into full-blown criminal activity. What did we think about this series and how it handled some immensely flawed boys in blue? Stay tuned. All right, everyone, if you were with us last week for our last episode, we covered the first three seasons of The Shield. And just a refresher for those who didn't tune in, go ahead and tune in if you haven't already. But The Shield is a crime drama, a serial drama, and an action series. Um, it was created by Sean Ryan, and it aired on the FX network from March 12, 2002 until November 25, 2008. It lasted seven seasons and a total of 88 episodes. It stars um, Michael Schickless as Vic Mackey, Catherine Dent as Danielle Danny Soffer, um, Jay Carnes as Holland Wagenbach, a.k.a. Dutch, um, Michael Jace as Julian Lowe, and CCH Pounder as Claudette Wims, among many others. So let's jump right into this fourth season. Our third season ended with Claudette being denied her promotion, Shane proposing tomorrow when he learns that she's pregnant, and Dutch solving the case of a serial rapist, and the very unfortunate sexual assault of Captain Aceveda. So let's jump right into season four and see what this, what this motley crew are up to. Like I said last episode, this show really never stops cranking out the action. There really aren't any lulls and there aren't any filler episodes on The Shield, which I greatly appreciate. Season four picks up and we have a brand new captain at the barn. We have her in the form of Monica Rawling, played by Glenn Close, which is cool. I don't. I haven't seen Glenn Close on a series before or since, actually. <laughs> Only right. movies. Right. I know she had been on FX's Damages. She was like the lead in that. But I don't remember if Damages came before or after The Shield. I think it comes after. Either way, I never saw the show. (laughs) 
I never saw it. So yeah, it, it's still accurate for me that this is the only show I've ever seen her on. <laughs> but um, yeah, Monica Rowling is a, it's a very interesting character. So let's get into her a little bit. Yeah. Claudette was denied her promotion. Um, Captain Azevedo basically promised her to promote her because he won the primary for his city council run. But because she wanted to reopen the cases of a DA who was basically a um, functional drug addict and who had been recently murdered and the DA did not want her to do that, they blocked her promotion. So she was denied her promotion and people were really salty with her, even people within this Farmington division, which is really crazy. So they bring in Monica Rowling Rowling, and Monica has some very different ideas. Um, One of her ideas is that she immediately instills a policy of federal asset forfeiture to seize any properties tied to drug money, intending to use those properties and that money to fund the department and the local community. It sounds good on paper, these things usually do, but who gets to decide what assets are tied to drug money? Right, and it's not just drug money, it's any criminal activity. Right, and who gets to decide what makes something tied to? If I buy a house with my own money from my own work, but let's say my older brother is in a is in a gang and he's drug dealing and he's making lots of money, it could be assumed that he gave me the money to buy that property. Stranger things have happened, right? And now my property is being seized <laughs> because of someone else's crimes. This is kind of how those like how those RICO laws work. This is actually something I really liked this season of the show. I like when a show takes like a real life policy that happens and then it shows how quickly like through story and action, how that policy actually affects people's lives and how that can destroy lives. Um, And we see that very quickly on The Shield. This law, this rule of, you know, taking assets related to gang activity, it's so loosely defined. (laughs) Yeah, and the way that it's applied by these characters and these cops is very ruthless. I mean, a single mom and her kids are put out on the street because they take her house because she wouldn't give up her son or someone. Like, it's really, like, ugly. It's a very, very, very ugly policy. Right. And like you said, it's real. These things happen all the time. Lots of cities and lots of states have similar policies. The only person in the department who is, well, not the only, but the most vocal opponent of this new policy is actually Julian. And he starts to feel that crunch as well when you're taking a stand against a superior the same way that Claudette had last season, except this superior he is in direct everyday contact with. Right, correct. And Julian also sees not only that how that policy um, is destructive towards families, but how it quickly corrupts cops. There's an episode where Monica is like, well, the first person to get so many arrests or to find whatever can have their pick of like the, the property seizure, which is like, uh, what? It's really disgusting and it's really gross. And like you said, it does show how easy these cops can be corrupted. This is something that Julian is very familiar with. It only took a little bit of peer pressure and a little bit of um, social and internalized homophobia to get him to beat the daylights out of that trans woman on the last season. He understands that when you combine 
um, a corrupt policy like this, you combine the social pressures of your work environment and you add in the incentive of money, this is not going to end well. Am I going to lie like real quick on Monica Rawlings? She really reminds me a lot of a more book smart version of Vic. I was about to say like, uh, so Monica and Vic definitely find, you know, their Bill and Hillary in each other. <laughs> Not Bill and Hillary. Oh, but it's true though. Like he's got the charm and she's got the book learnedness. Um, it's really, it's really interesting to see because you can actually see the gears turning in her head and is in particularly in relation to this policy on how she thinks she's doing the right thing and she's helping the community. And this is what Vic and the strike team have always told themselves, right? When they're doing shady shit and lining their own pockets. And then this is before they even robbed the Armenian money train. They were lining their own pockets and making deals with the local gang members in the community and convincing themselves that it was for the greater good. And they were keeping a sort of order. And Monica tells herself the same thing. Right, exactly. And part of the reason why I find the Monica character very interesting and why I don't like her, but I like that she is a character that exists in popular culture is because in that like she feels even more convicted that she's doing the right thing because she's a woman and she's worked hard to get here and she's had to make sacrifices. That's also definitely a part of her story. Uh, she's definitely the bastion of white feminism on this show. <laughs> she is. There's a short exchange between her and Claudette and Claudette's like, well, you took my job. And Claudette said, you could have fought for me. You just chose not, or you could have... Claudette essentially says, like, you knew what was going on in terms of, like, I did the right thing and they were pushing me out because I did the right thing. And you knew that and you could have said, hey, I don't want this position. I don't want this job because, like, I won't stand on the ashes of another woman. You could have done that, but you didn't. That's essentially the the exchange. And Monica's response is like, oh, well, bitch, well, I'm a woman too. Like, feminism. Sorry, girl. Bye. Hashtag white women first. <laughs> white, white women first, girl. Sorry. And and mm-hmm. that's kind of the attitude that Monica takes. In fact, Monica's like, no, girl, like you should be like proud of me. Like you should <laughs> you should be happy that like this unfair thing happened to you. <laughs> Ooh. White like, women are so different. <laughs> they are so different. But I liked that because I'm like, that's really fucking real. Oh yeah, I I can't say enough how much I love though not the not just the writing and the characters on this show, but the character development. Even characters that we only see for a couple seasons, like Monica, they offer such a greater social narrative. Uh, this season, we also have Antoine Mitchell, who is a former one niner, played by Anthony Anderson. People forget that Anthony Anderson actually has a lot of range. And he uh, gets caught up with Vic and the kids. Yeah, yeah. This season, um, the strike team's also been disbanded. So Shane has a new partner, Armando. That's a hot mess. That's a mess on the house. It's such a mess. I mean, Shane's a mess on his own. Let's be fair. <laughs> Shane's a whole mess and a half on his own. Then you add Armando to the mix and they just, it's like oil and water with those two. They really should not have been partnered up ever. I see season four as Shane's last chance. This is the last opportunity that Shane really had to leave police work and not get pulled back into Vic's orbit because 
everything that happens to Shane after season four is quite tragic. And everything he does after season four is quite tragic. Yeah, like, he's just a violent idiot. <laughs> like, Pretty much. Pretty emphasis much. Emphasis on the violence, emphasis on the idiot. Two partners. There's two partnerships in this season. One that has a fracture, sort of. And one that it has kind of like a reunion, sort of. So the first is Dutch and Claudette. Dutch and Claudette, remember I said she was frozen out of that promotion. Well, Dutch by association of being partnered with her is also like being treated like garbage. He tries to make a backroom deal with the DA. And this deal is not just to help him, but Claudette as well. But when Claudette finds out about it, she is very upset. She has a very strong moral stance against what happened to her. And she's upset. She's upset with Dutch for trying to go around her and basically trying to make a deal with the enemy. So that is like a a rift between them and they're everybody's favorite partners. So it's kind of hard to watch. It is hard. The dream team. Oh, it made me so sad, but he should have known that she would have never, she would have never been with that. And which is why he tried to hide it from her. (laughs) And I understand what he was trying to do, but like at the same time, Oh, fuck these people. Right. And it's like, how much ass do you need to kiss? Just because you've been doing this longer than me and you got promoted sooner than me doesn't mean you're right about everything, DA. And clearly the DA himself is really corrupt because not letting her reopen these cases, it it looks funny in the light. It looks like maybe you were doing some shady shit as well. I'm just saying. Right. And that's what's so, and this is like part of, and this is part of like why this show is so interesting because it's, you know, here Claudette is trying to do once again, she's trying to do the right thing. Like, these cases were compromised because of this thing that happened. Um, she has to reopen them and look at them. And she's trying to do what essentially the public would want her to do, which is give a fair look at these cases and make sure that they really are, that they really can stand on their own and that, like, you haven't put innocent people in jail or, like, ruined innocent people's lives. And... You don't want her to because... Mm. Right. Either you had a hand in that kind of corruption or you just don't want to utilize the assets of your office to reopen those cases. Either way, that shit is corrupt. It reeks. Like, you're playing with people's lives because pride? You might have made a mistake. Like, Right. So the other partnership that kind of got a little bit reconciliation was julian and danny so at season three's closing julian um um, danny was actually fired because she had shot that muslim man in the confrontation julian did not back up her story the man's widow was was threatening to press charges so the department let her go but she cut a deal with azaveda to try to get reinstated as a police officer but she is hospitalized this season And he comes to her aid when she's released from the hospital. And so they kind of have like a reconciliation type situation. It was kind of him. I mean, listen, all I'm saying is like, where were your other friends, girl? Where were your other quote unquote brothers in blue? I mean, isn't she fucking Vic still? She's still fucking Vic. fucking Vic, right. Where was he at? He's Right. It's not like he had his wife to go home to. Things about season four that I did not like. Pretty much anything with Aceveda. And anything with these one-niners and the strike team was, like, horrible. Yeah, Azaveda was hard to watch. But y'all really could have given him any other narrative. Um, like, literally any other narrative. Literally anything, please. But he's really suffering, and I will say this, for the actor 
who plays Captain Azevedo, Benito Martinez, he really did what he had to do in trying to portray that silent struggle and trying to cope with trauma, especially coping with sexual trauma alone. I thought that was well-performed, at least, on his part. Uh, I agree. He does give, like, a very good performance. Yeah, he's just, but yeah, he's going through it this season. The highlight of <laughs> season four, though, is Captain Rollins pretty much leaves as quickly as she came. She's fired over a dispute with the DEA. You don't fuck with the chain of command. I understand why they fired her if they think that her, her policy antagonized cop killings. But on the other hand, like, that's literally not her fault, though. <laughs> like, the cops getting killed as a result of this policy is not her fault, was certainly not her intent. So it's it's very awkward to watch. It's you literally know, like you've made you've made the peasants angry. We gotta fire you, girl. We gotta fire you, girl. But you know, listen, she was warned. It wasn't working though. Cause like earlier in the season, Aceveda's like, girl, this policy isn't working. You're just making people mad at you. <laughs> like, cause he was like, yeah, like you have this civil forfeiture policy, but like it's not evenly applied because you put Vic in charge and Vic is just doing whatever he's going to do. Like Vic doesn't even know the word paperwork or evenly applied or fair. He doesn't Which know is why she of- hired him. You know that's why. Because she knew Vic would do whatever to get the job done. And then she could, you know, um, feign plausible deniability if he got caught up in some shit. Girl, but, like, she should... But, like, I just... See, okay, then that's my thing. Like, then how did you not think that that was going to go blow back on you, honey? Like, if you're out... If you have somebody out here who's just doing whatever, like... It's it's police work, but police it's still police. It's that's still like bureaucracy. You there's still there's still paperwork. The paper man from the government, someone is still gonna come, like look at the paperwork. And if that shit's not up to snuff, bitch, you get fired, like or at least demoted. Right, like, right. Because it's like fine, have him go out there and do whatever. But she wasn't at least falsifying paperwork to make it match. You know what I mean? Right. It's she dropped the ball. She dropped, she dropped the ball with the ball. Vic. She dropped the ball with not reading the fucking room and literally no, literally talking to anyone in the room. If she'd spoken, well not spoken, but if she'd actually listened to Aceveda, Claudette, even Dutch, he, they could have told her, Vic is not someone you want to be fucking around with. Um I mean, like, <laughs> like, yeah, because they all told her. They were like, Yeah, that's a bad idea, honey. Right. And if you're going to go through with this, this is literally the worst person you could have on your team. And I will give Azaveda some credit. Is he a perfect cop? Absolutely not. But he's actually, I want to say 95% of the time, above board, which is very hard to find at the level that he was at. Especially at the level he was at. (laughs) Exactly. Like, if I had to, if I couldn't get Claudette... Aceveda would be my my next pick. Like if I had if somebody had to be in charge, if we couldn't just like abolish the policing system as we know it, Aceveda would be it. Because at the end of the day, like, like is he self-serving? Yes. Does he do everything in the interest of like himself? Yes. But like because he does that, he always makes sure his shit is clean. 
And he will always do shit that's going to make him look good. Right, right. I mean, and like I said, it's hard to find someone who's who's got who's that clean at that position because there are cops much, much lower rank than him who are filthy. And Vic is one of those. <laughs> Azaveda's biggest secret is something that was done to him, not something he did. That's significant. <laughs> right, right. Season four was interesting. I, I really liked the Monica Rawlings character. I liked season four a lot. It's really hard at this point to say what my favorite season is because I feel like the seasons get consistently better or um, at least there's something in the narrative that is that is even more engaging than seasons prior. I think the show does a really good job at like just holding your interest. Like you don't keep watching just because like you've already <laughs> invested X amount of hours watching the prior seasons. You actually want to watch the future seasons. So very good for season four. What about you? Um, you know, I didn't like the one-niners stuff. There was something about that opening that, like, bugged me. I think the messages of that narrative that really irked. But other than that, I really enjoyed season four. Let's jump into season five. Season five was only 11 episodes, but they did what they had to do. No matter what the season order is, they always do what they need to do. Um, we are, we bring in a... Lieutenant John Cavanaugh, played by Forrest Whitaker. They got the A-team on this show, I'm telling you. Yeah, something about, something that I noticed about The Shield is that The Shield, also like The Good Wife, hires like the tippity-tip-top of like Black talent. So Lieutenant John Cavanaugh is actually, actually works for Internal Affairs. And his job right now is to investigate the strike team. And he is able to use Lem's theft of the heroin and failure to report in the Antoine Mitchell case to get him to wear a wire because he's got this theory that Vic killed Terry Crowley, which is something that Azaveda suspected as well, but has never been able to prove. So let's jump into it. Um, Lieutenant Kavanaugh comes in strong, but leaves very, very defeated by the end of season five. It's uh, it's unfortunate to see. It's unfortunate to see. I don't know how I feel about any of it still. Season five, although I think it's a very good season, I'm going to say that preemptively. I think it's a good season. It did not live up to my expectations. The bar was very high. And in season five, I feel like certain key points of the narrative did not seem fluid or natural to me. So one of these is that in getting Lem to wear a wire, Lem tips off Vic and then basically um, embarrasses Kavanaugh in front of the Internal Affairs Department. And then Vic, learning that Kavanaugh is on to him, um, uses, I guess, a pretty common um, method of trying to shame a man by sleeping with Kavanaugh's wife. Vic coming up with this idea is not what's unnatural to me. The fact that Kavanaugh's wife would want to fuck Vic is what came off weird to me. Yeah, to me, that's nonsensical. But then let's reiterate, Kavanaugh's wife is Gina Torres. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you're Gina Torres. Like, like no shade to Michael Schickless. No shade. And I, I think that she did a very good job in the performance of their scenes together. But it's Gina fucking Torres. Torres. Like, what? <laughs> and y'all, this isn't even... This is Gina Torres before Firefly. Like, listen. Let's, let's talk. Let's have a talk. And I understand it. 
she's in a marriage with a workaholic. It's it's essentially a type of one of those quote unquote loveless marriages, really just marriages where people don't have time for each other anymore. One doesn't have time for the other. And that's fine. But like, go out and have a one night stand, sis. That's literally what they were invented for. Invented for. And then it's not even that. It's like, isn't she? She's she's an addict, or she was a former addict, or there's some sort of, or she's suffering from some sort of mental illness. Um, I believe it's the mental illness and former addiction. Yes. Right, and she cannot, in good, in like, there's something about. And they're married, but like, she did something, and like, he he would compromise like his job. Or he would compromise something by like, oh yeah, he, like she's convicted of something, and she asks him to just like let it go. And granted, it's something little, but he tells her, Kavanaugh, her husband, Kavanaugh tells her like he can't let it go. He has to let it stand. This conviction that she incurred while addicted or something, because he's like, it starts with one thing. It starts with one thing. You let one thing go. And that's how you end up like the people that I prosecute every day. That's the catalyst for her fucking Vic or something. It's something really dumb and weird. I remember hating it because I was like, I understand why he feels that way. Like, and he's kind of right to feel that way. And like, does that make him rigid? Sure. But like, does that make him a bad person? Like, or a bad husband? Like, I don't. No, but I think the show wanted to frame it that way. And I just, I was like, I mean, yeah, he's not a bad husband. And like, and this needs to be said, you knew who the fuck you married. He was a cop when you married him, sis. Like, did you expect, like, I don't understand people who think that their partner should be rendering them favors. Like, oh, you work at Nordstrom. I guess that means I can come shoplift there <laughs> whenever I like. Or you work at McDonald's. I, I guess I'm going to get a free meal when I go there for lunch every day. Or you're a cop. Well, you can definitely do something about my record, right? Like, why do y'all go into these relationships with these assumptions? Wh- what is this need to take advantage of and or try to corrupt people based on their position? You knew he was a cop. You knew what type of man he was. Like, you don't get to be in internal affairs if you're doing the type of shit she's asking him to do. Right. And I think I, and another part of why I didn't like it is like, even beyond that is that like when he denies her this favor or whatever, he's in pain, like over it. It's not like happy. He's not like happy about it. Like he's not like, haha, bitch. Like I'm not gonna expunge your record. He's really, he's really like in pain and he's, and you can, and something, and shout out to Fortis Whitaker, because something that is very apparent when they introduce her and they introduce her relationship is, like, you. What, what's really apparent is he is absolutely, like, you can tell that he is a spouse that has gone through having a spouse with addiction and, mm-hmm. and, and um, mental illnesses, because he is, like, broken. Like, and he is so, like not terrified but he is like oh oh crap like is is it is are we going or is this is this what we're gonna do again like I I'm not ready like I haven't put everything together that I need to put together to support you to take you through this again like he's someone who's clearly like always sort of on the edge you know mm-hmm. as right. I think family members who 
go through that disease with people are sort of always on the edge of like, okay, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? I mean, he's seen her through her addiction. He's he's a good husband for all intents and purposes. It's just this thing. And I, I just, like I said, I just hated it. <laughs> and the tantrum that she throws by fucking Vic only make me feel worse for the husband like it doesn't and it doesn't endear me to you sweetheart (laughs) i think it's even worse that like vic kind of knows she's not stable and then he fucks her anyway i think he fucks her because she knows she he knows she's not stable if he knew she was stable he'd be he'd come up with another shady vic mackey plan because he's done shady shit before that didn't involve fucking people's wives right but he's like oh She's unstable. She's weak. I can work with this. Because he hasn't fully broken down Kavanaugh yet, but he knows that the wife is the Achilles heel. And her mental health is her Achilles heel. So there we go. In retaliation, I guess, to this, Kavanaugh arrests Lem and makes a deal with Antoine. Because when Lem gets arrested, he gets bailed together for Lem. Um, he's like, nah, my, my, my brother is not going to stay in prison. Fuck that shit. Which is like, <laughs> okay, girl, fine, whatever. Like, no, but that was some real shit because the only reason he was in jail was because he tipped you off that he was wearing a wire. So honestly, Vic owed him this, I feel. That's true. (laughs) Vic owed him this. But then Shane, being Shane, like you said, a violent idiot. And when Lem comes out, he becomes ultra paranoid. And literally, it's just paranoia. There's really no basis to this fear because literally the only reason Lem is in jail in the first place is because he didn't turn on y'all. But he's convinced that... Lem is going to turn on the strike team. He, he gets this idea, fixates on it, runs with it, with really no basis in reality whatsoever for this fear. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? Um, Azaveda plays on these fears, hoping that Shane will snitch first. That's what he wants to do, because he knows Lem will not snitch, right? Right. But then Shane, being fucking Shane, takes it to that stupid, violent place that it never needed to go, and he murders Lem with a hand grenade. Right. And it's it's really terrible because they have a whole, like, drawn-out conversation where Lem is like, I won't tell. Like, and Shane's like, you will tell. And Lem's like, I won't tell. <laughs> and Shane's like, you will. You will. And Shane's like, I would. And Lem is like, I would never. Like, I love y'all. And he's like, no, you are. Like, I just know you are. And he's like, no, like, I'll just go to jail. It's fine. Like, I'll go to jail. I'll go to jail. Because I'd go to jail for y'all. I love y'all. And then Shane is like, no, you're going to tell. You're going to tell. You're going to tell. And then he just, like, bombs him. And it's like, girl, what? But that level of paranoia, when you're literally confronting the person and they told you, I've already gotten arrested for you guys and I would go to jail for you guys again and I had opportunities to snitch and save myself and I did not. And you're there telling them something that has no basis in reality. What level of paranoia is this? I think it's really mean that Shane did not even let Lem take a bite of that sandwich before he car bombed him. That was really rude. Um, so rude. Even people in, uh, in on death row get a last meal, homie. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he bought him the sandwich, you guys. And Lem is, like, in the car and he's about to eat. And it sounds like a really good sandwich because they described the sandwich. He is unwrapping this sandwich. And he is just about to take a bite. And then, like, Shane car bombs him and he dies. It's terrible because, like, at least let him take a bite of the sandwich. I know. And, like, listen, there are two things that I'm not okay with. 
not letting people enjoy their meals and not letting people enjoy their rest. It's the Taurus in me. Don't fucking interrupt people when they're sleeping or eating. That's just my, that's how I live my life. <laughs> that's a good, it's a good creed. It's a good creed to live by. No one coerced Shane into doing anything against Lem. He didn't do anything he didn't already want to do. That's how I see it. By the time, even when Shane gets to, gets to the deserted lot, um, his mind is made up for the most yep. part. Um, their whole little, oh no, yes, no. That's, that's posturing. And see, and Lem is a better person than me. Because if I already got arrested for you motherfuckers to the point where I had to be bailed out, I'm still being surveillanced and I'm probably going to do the most time for fucking with a wire tap. And you're out here questioning me saying that I'm going to snitch, I'm going to rap. It's, it would seem like a thou doth protest too much type situation. Like, why are you accusing me? Is, are you up to some shit? Because I feel right. like I, I would feel like I had already proven myself at this point. So what's with these accusations? <laughs> right. Right. So, honestly, if I were a lamb, after the third, yes, you are going to snitch, I would have just pulled out my gun, Dirty Harry style and ended that conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. So something else that we find out this season is that Claudia is sick, y'all. Yeah, that really messed with my mind. Oh, oh my gosh. Claudia is sick, but Claudia gets her promotion finally, which it, it's so bittersweet that this is when she would get her promotion. Yeah, that's just the only one that, that knows. Um, which I feel like trusting him with her secret is like their way of telling the audience that they she really has forgiven him. She really has forgiven him. They're back on equal footing. They're friends again. Because Claudette and Dutch have always not been more than partners. They are close friends. They are probably one of the better platonic male-female relationships I've seen on TV. One of the smaller plots of season five is that Danny is pregnant. Because not only has she been fucking Vic this entire time, she's been fucking him raw. Um, Girl, yes. So she's pregnant. We, the audience, know who the father is. And I think Captain Azaveda and Claudette and Dutch, these people are observant enough to understand that that's her baby daddy. But she won't name the father of her child. Like, that's going to do anything. Vic's Vic's genes look really strong. That kid's going to look like him in only a matter of time. But she's pregnant. She's keeping it, which is a choice, I guess. Like, I'm I'm here for any choice that a woman wants to make with her body. And she can certainly afford to take care of this child by herself. But she decides to keep this child. So now Vic is expecting a whole outside baby in addition to the three kids he already has with his wife, Corinne. Sir, look hmm. at your life. Look at your choices. Reckless. Yeah, so, I mean, why? Huh. You know, some people just don't love themselves. And Danny's one of those people. Um, because Danny could have had a limb, and she could—they could have saved each other. She could have had a real father for her child, and he would still be alive. <laughs> he was still alive. There you go. She could have. Danny could have gone out with Dutch. You know, Danny had options. Julian gets his own little trainee this season. Tina. Tina's cute. She's there. She's whatever. She doesn't really start to play a more significant role until the last two seasons. But we do we do get introduced to this Tina character. And I see a much more relaxed version of Julian this season. Yeah, Julian seems like he's settling into himself and the job more. Mm-hmm. So what do we think of season five? Good, bad, or basic? Season five, I thought it was good. I liked to see... 
Um, I thought this Kavanaugh, I liked, I actually really liked this Kavanaugh thing until the wife and then everything that happens with him subsequently via the wife. Yeah, but season five was excellent. I felt for me, season four is overall my least favorite season and it's still very good. Let's jump into season six. It is the shortest season of The Shield. It's only 10 episodes long. We're still dealing with Lieutenant Kavanaugh. Lieutenant Kavanaugh, basically, um, Vic broke him, is what we're getting from the narrative. Because he wouldn't resort to corruption even for the wife that he loved. But he's resorting to corruption now by planting evidence and trying to coerce victims to testify against the strike team. He took a man that had a spotless um, record and a flawless reputation and he's been reduced to this on account of Vic sleeping with his wife and then Claudette and Dutch are forced to question his integrity and he is arrested you can't just jump into these levels of corruption baby steps he did this shit he did it sloppy he got caught he was arrested prison's not a nice place for cops and so we we say goodbye to lieutenant kavanaugh pretty early in season six and then in season six ronnie kind of gets his hands dirty for the first time vic killed terry right shane killed lem and now ronnie and vic kill someone called guardo lima the main, their main suspect in Lim's murder, they kill this person together. But they are so sure that this person killed Ronnie, and so they get their little revenge murder thing going. But Shane is so grief-stricken and borderline suicidal that he begins to have an affair, I'm putting air quotes on that word, an affair with an underage black prostitute. This is a literal child. And honestly, it makes perfect sense to me that a white man would soothe his conscience by exploiting not just a minor, but a black woman at that. Makes perfect sense to me, but god damn, Shane is despicable. I remember this. I hated this. I oh, really, god. truly hated this. Yes, it's real. It's something that people do. It's a thing. It all is... It, it, but like... What does it serve? Like, I don't, in ter- particularly about how her story concludes, it's like she was just this device used to show me something that I already knew, and it doesn't speak to anything larger. I didn't feel like it served anything bigger, you know? At least when Julian beats up that woman, I understand that it's about him, but it's also about her. It's about how trans women are treated. I don't know. It was like another, I don't know. I didn't like it. Like, it just felt like another thing. It felt like another just like, black people are exploited without making it worth something. I agree with that. And like you said, it's nothing that we didn't already know in regards to how black women, especially minors, are especially sex workers, especially, um, you know, those without families or who might be homeless are exploited. We already knew that. And we already knew that Shane was trash. So no big reveals here. Right. It just felt like, like if they had, if it had led to something, if like she, if there had been like a, a deeper story that concluded through it, then sure. I would have been like, okay, this is fine. Okay, sure. But there wasn't. And th- I think that's what that's what bugged me the most. It just felt like it was there to be there, to be shocking. Right. The only thing that it really did, honestly, was create more friction between Mara and Shane that really didn't 
have anything to do with Vic because prior to this, Vic was like the 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 crux of all the tension in their relationship, right? Right. But now we can no longer blame Vic for things. You're the one choosing to fuck this underage black girl. Um, you're the one who chose to kill Lem. He can't put that on Vic. He can't even put that on Azaveda. No one told you to do that dumb shit that you went and did. He's deal- battling with his demons, com- entirely self-imposed now, okay? What Shane is going through is literally 100% Shane's fault, period. But he finally confesses what he did to Vic and Ronnie, basically to clear his little conscience out. But then he threatens them into silence. He threatens them into silence, you guys. And then he flips. He tries to flip on them. He goes to the Armenians, names Vic as the ringleader for the money heist, um, for the money chain heist, in hopes of getting their protection. Because he's thinking it's only a matter of time before Vic and Ronnie kill him. Since he not only killed Lem, but he's threatening them. But then going to the Armenians puts Vic's entire family at risk, you dumb piece of shit. Shane truly is the weakest link. See, and it's like all that, and he he sold Vic out anyway. That's what I'm saying. Y'all should have called Annalise Keating. Would have been done. Would have been over in 20 minutes. And like, this is my thing. Like, fam, if you knew you were going to sell him out anyway to the fucking mob, you might as well just go into that interrogation room. Right? Sign the fucking amnesty agreement or whatever the fuck it's called and and spill your guts. That would have been safer for his family than you go into the damn mob to to rat on him. (laughs) At least his family would have been safe. Like, what the fuck? Shane is doing Shane things (laughs) this entire season. He, He takes the stupidity up a notch. Meanwhile, Vic knows he's in a lot of danger in regards to his job security. He tries but fails to make himself indispensable when he learns from Claudette that they want to force him into early retirement. This season, the strike team goes under new leadership and Julian joins the strike team. So these are some major changes. We have someone with integrity on the strike team. We have a new strike team. Things are happening, but everything that Vic set into motion in seasons one through four Shane escalates unnecessarily for the duration of the series. The season ends with Azaveda teaming up with Vic, of all people. They agree to work together to take down the backers of his new mayoral campaign because the people backing his new mayoral campaign, um, against his wishes, I might add, he didn't ask these people to back him, but they're backing him, are criminals. Shout out to Azaveda. You know, most people would have just been like, girl, I'll let it ride right like i won the primary their money would be nice so i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna do what i gotta do (laughs) yeah it's like i'm here to smile and make great speeches um but i guess he decided that the devil he knows is better than the devil he doesn't know so he teams up with vic because he knows vic will get that shit done to take these people down and that's where we leave off in season six. A lot of things are happening in season six. The Shane storylines, the prostitute storyline aside, this underage black girl was so unnecessary. But literally everything else, I feel, I mean, even this, honestly, um, even though, like Alex said, it served no purpose. Everything he did in this season, I feel, is so in line with who he is as a person. No real moral fiber and no fucking spine. That Shane. No spine. Exactly. <laughs> season six for me is good. Uh, like I said, that that plot aside. 
The last season, season seven, we were back up to our regular series order of 13 episodes. So let's jump into it. So season seven picks up with... Vic is also sort of looking to jump to ice. Mm -hmm. um, Because he knows his days are up at the barn. He's looking to join ICE and then hopefully cut a deal with ICE. The investigation on the strike team heats up. It's coming to a fever pitch. And and that's where we sort of pick up in season seven. Right, right. So season seven is really interesting. Claudette's open an investigation on him. And so he decides to secure immunity for himself and for Ronnie. But then, not knowing that um, she that Corinne is going to testify against him thanks to Mara and her meddling and her being a busybody. He thinks that his wife is his wife is in danger, so he trades Ronnie's immunity to protect Corinne, which is a big mistake. <laughs> I know Corinne was out here like, "Yes, girl, he did that. Guilty as fuck." Right, he didn't think Corinne was going to snitch on him, so he basically securing this immunity for Ronnie basically throws Ronnie under the bus to protect a wife that was never really trying to protect him. Never. She ain't loved that man at all. Yikes. I mean, I think she used to, but she ain't loved him since the end of season one. (laughs) You know, Quinn was like, hey, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) When your man want to get buck wild. (laughs) Because this season, she also, the, the meddling that I'm talking about, Mara basically drops a dime and is like, yo, you know that cop that's pregnant at his department? That's Vic's baby. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, oh, bitch. Oh, he bitch. Really did. That's the last fucking straw. I know. She's like, oops, there goes the times we use. Okay. Um, right, because Danny's not even pregnant anymore, right? Like, she's had this baby now. She's had this baby. She's had you this know, baby. Everybody fucking knows it's Vic's baby, by the way. She's she's never she's never confirmed. She doesn't answer any questions. She ain't saying who the daddy is, but they're not stupid. So there you go. Everybody but Corinne knew. Everybody but Corinne. It's it's, it's tragic. So he trades Ronnie's immunity to protect Corinne, which was terrible. Um, Shane learns that Corinne was helping the investigation, sets his family, um, Mara and his son Jackson on the run to protect them from the Armenians because, oops, the Armenians don't give a fuck about Vic or you and they'll kill you both happily. Right. Because somehow he holds it in his mind that like at least him not snitching to law enforcement somehow makes him better or something. That's so unfortunate. Because if you get this man's family killed, that actually makes you a worse person. But okay. Um, Later, and this is why I say the situation with Shane is just tragic. Shane always makes a bad situation so much worse. And that's included but not limited to his own suicide. Shane doesn't just kill himself. First, Mm. writes a written confession. Then he poisons his wife and child. That is, uh, yeah, that was so fucking crazy. Like, you couldn't have just let your wrist and let it be that? Damn, homie. Damn, like, these what two is, people? What is, exactly, like, what did they do? Like, I mean, your wife, mm, but, like, she didn't deserve to die, like. Right, Mara did a lot of shit, but nothing she did was actually criminal or criminal illegal. or illegal. All that started out shit ends shit, and... Mara and Jackson were casualties of just Shane being Shane, unfortunately. He poisons them. He leaves his confession. He kills himself saying that he sees no other way. Shane kills himself. 
And Ronnie is arrested because Ronnie always thought this whole time that Vic had his back, which Vic did. Vic literally only sold out his brother to protect the mother of his children. Like if you are going to turn on your homeboys, that is a legitimate reason to turn. <laughs> it is, right? That, that feels <laughs> like, although, <laughs> although he's dumb, like, because he figured out way too late that she didn't even, she wasn't even that. Okay. She wasn't even really with him like that. But um, it was a bad decision, but it was made with the very purest of intent. Literally, this is the only, this is the one of the few selfless things that I've seen Vic do. It was breaking his heart to turn on Ronnie, but it was either Ronnie or the woman who gave birth to his children. Like, that's not even a real choice. I would have really been judging Vic if he really believed that um, Corinne was was not going to testify and chose Ronnie over her anyway. I would have been side-eyeing that, honestly. <laughs> I think he made the best decision with the limited information that he had. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I agree. I remember feeling, like, bad because, like, Ronnie... Well, not bad, but Ronnie was just the one person that was just like, eh, yeah, we're doing this, I guess. Like... <laughs> Ronnie was probably the least corrupt of the strike team. And that includes Lem, because he didn't. He never stole any drugs. Um, he wasn't there when they killed Terry. He and Lem were not there when they killed Terry. Um, he killed that one guy, Guardo, what's his face, prior to Shane confessing that he had been the one to kill, um, Lem. So he only killed this guy because he thought that this guy had killed Lem. Ronnie was really out here doing what Vic said the strike team stood for, getting their own justice and like being brothers in arms. And he found out Vic betrayed him literally seconds before they put the handcuffs on him. Hate to see it. I hate to see it. It's sad, but not really. It ends with Vic. Vic goes to... He does go to ICE, right? Yeah, so here's what happens. Very early on, we are introduced to Agent Olivia Murray. She's an ICE agent. And he tries to integrate himself with her to become an ICE field agent. But during his testifying for immunity, and he literally left no stone unturned because they, they told him... Anything that you don't tell us that we find out about later will nullify this agreement, right? We made a deal for you to work with ICE, but we will make sure you never, ever see anything but a desk when you're working for ICE. <laughs> the last, like, frames of the, the series is, like, they sh- they're showing him around the ICE office. And um, they're typing up, and, and they get basically give him this desk. And the show frames it like it's the worst possible thing that could ever happen. But like he's just typing up reports. Yeah, it is kind of like a slow death, quote unquote, for someone like Vic. Vic. Um, it is like an ongoing punishment, but it's it's the equivalent of being in a perpetual timeout. Corinne and the kids bounce. Yeah, they go into witness protection. He's lost everything that mattered the most to him, including his brothers, right? The only one who's still alive is in federal prison and will never speak to him again. Exactly. So Vic, I guess, gets his punishment at the end, in a sense, um, being working his nine-to-five job free, though. I'm just glad that, you know, it isn't one of those fucking retributions or closures that Sons of Anarchy or the originals gave me where this protagonist gets to um, go out on their own terms. That's true. (laughs) Like, I fucking hate that shit. (laughs) 
it's true. He doesn't go to jail, but he is like he is punished. You're right. He's it's perpetual timeout. He has to deal with the sentence he's given. Um, season six is great, though. I like season six. I love right. Claudette. Oh, and this is we we made a we made a mistake. This is the season where Claudette confesses to Dutch that she's dying, but she continues. She will do her work f- until her last days. Yes, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um. It's yeah, season six. I like season six. The only thing I don't like about season six is that you mean season seven. Not yes, sorry, my bad. Um, season seven. That's season seven, and I like season seven. Um, the only thing I don't, I think the only thing I overall, the only thing I wish like would have happened is, is that I wish we could have gotten like more peeks into Claudette's life. We get some like very briefly early on in the early seasons, but then that's cut out spoken on again ever, which, which kind of sucked overall. I really liked this show. I really loved season seven as well. Um, and I, again, I don't know which season this happened. It was sometime between seasons five and season seven. Julian does get engaged to a woman who has a son. I think her son is 10. So he's said to be a husband and a stepfather and he's battling with his repressed homosexuality more than more than ever because like we said he's not just in the closet at work he's in complete denial about his sexual orientation it it wears on him because he's living with this woman now they're engaged um i believe at one point they actually get married and they're living together and it's so obvious to her that he's really not attracted to her that he is gay, that he's battling some demons. I mean, if it's obvious to the people at work, sweetie, it's going to be obvious to the woman that you're with. And I think Julian slowly comes to terms with who he is very painfully and very slowly before the series close as well. Yes, he does. So, um, I, I, as much as I, like Alex, wanted more um, character development of characters like... Um, Claudette and I feel like if they had more seasons we would have gotten a broader look at the Dutch character because um, sometime in season six or seven um, he actually kills a cat you guys so there's an inner sociopathy with him that you know he's a good person but he's trying to repress these urges and I would have liked to see them tear the scale on either end him like do this thing and feel remorse and be a better become an even better person or maybe see dutch slip into the dark side i don't know what we would have gotten if we had had more seasons but i do know i wanted more from claudette what we got of julian almost makes up for it I i wanted more of the ronnie character and more of danielle's or danny's inner lives as well because i feel like these characters made a lot of decisions and had a lot of loyalties that really didn't make sense to me. Season seven was great. I feel like the writing on the show, it had a literally a couple, one, two major hiccups, but nothing that completely, um, nothing that derailed the overall narrative at all. Acting was strong. Character development for most of these characters was very strong. Um, I really love the shield. I think it's, the show has held up. Yeah. I like this. Um, uh, I particularly liked how, at least at the end of the, at the in the back half of the series, how they quit. Um, it's sort of shot like documentary style, and 
with like a really jerky camera and they they refine that a bit in the back half of the series which I appreciate once things get start getting more serious mm-hmm. um which I liked and I needed because I remember even feeling that earlier on that I was like oh I wish somebody would like study this camera please um yeah it was a bit vertigo inducing <laughs> um and they and they did in the back half and I appreciate it um but yeah I liked it it's good And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the back half of The Shield good, bad, basic, and completely unforgettable. If you'd like to check out the series, The Shield is currently streaming on Hulu. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out The Shield Spotify playlist. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be diving into the first three seasons of the HBO crime drama, The Sopranos. If you'd like to check out the series before then, The Sopranos is currently streaming on Hulu and HBO now. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone.